You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the Boss Hog of Liberty Podcast. This is episode number 325, my God, of East Centralia's favorite podcast. Jeremiah Morrill, executive video producer, audio engineer. Zach Burcham is out of place. He's he's the the flex hitter today. He's he's on camera. He's uh, he's filling in for Dakota, who is off uh, winning his Father of the Year trophy. Uh, So we have called up from the bullpen uh, Sarah Potter Morrill. Welcome. Thank you. Doing a great job. Uh, We're on the line now. It's her first day of real training with the uh, with the slightly new and revised and updated setup. It's a little easier now, isn't it? Yeah, a lot lot easier. A lot easier. No, you don't have to constantly create a new string of reference characters and drag them across and whatever else happens. Flipping switches. I mean, I like the the fun of trying to get all the the uh, little bar at the bottom yeah. changed and everything. I mean, it was the panic. It was <laughs> it was real, but it was pure stress and panic. I mean, just, there's yeah. nothing every like episode. just a shot of adrenaline right in the middle of your Thursday night. So our guest tonight is going to be the uh, the one and only Chris Wheeler. Uh, he's made the long journey about over here, halfway to Dayton, all the way from Pittsburgh, all the way from Pittsburgh, uh, childhood. Uh, hometown of jeff gordon the in between the in between age there yeah they claim him but he sure as heck ain't from there <laughs> <laughs> on account of the number of teeth he has you can prove it uh we those are my people man i'm the only person that lives on the gorse at pittsburgh national golf club members uh golf club country club and day spa and day spa it's a beautiful nine hole facility what kind of services do they provide only the best there's a bottle of lotion. Can on you the walk across some hot coals at the day spa? No, no, no. We keep that for the uh, for the men's retreat. All right. This show is about our lives in rural Indiana. We're here to push your boundaries and make you think. As individuals, sometimes we provoke you, other times we make you laugh. But hopefully, you'll always learn something new. Uh, what we do? We did 15, 20 minutes on Patreon a moment ago. Uh, we talked uh, roads. We talked racing. We get told some stories. Um, 
I don't know. Is there anything else of note there, Zach? It was worth it. It was a good conversation. I can't even remember what we talked about. I've already blocked it out. You've already, you've been drinking yeah. heavily. Yeah. He's all hopped up on the root two, beer. Two root beers in. Fire brewed root beers. Uh, if Thank you me. want access to that extra special sauciness, uh, patreon.com slash boss hog liberty and you can get, uh, you get that emailed directly to you. You get uh, special access to a Facebook group that gets you the show notes each and every week so you can follow along if there's any links, if there's any uh, deep dive research that Dakota did, uh, it's all there. Or scroll way back and look for the uh, for Dakota's uh, gender reveal, which is one of the funniest videos on the internet. That is Zach's, Zach's favorite, I, I, I uh, still favorite scroll, video. I still scroll back and listen to it just for pure amusement. I'm surprised you haven't saved it to your phone yourself. I'll just, find a way. Yeah, I should, I should. Make that your ringtone one I day. I should make that his ringtone if he ever called. <laughs> he never calls me, but it would be pretty funny to... Yeah. So you post this. Yeah. All yeah. right. So can we can we can we go grammatically correct on it, or do you want to leave it as it is? Because man, I've had so much anxiety since you sent this to me. Because you spelled carding with a C. Right. I, I just you know what like, you said. Bro, I'm just like you said. Oh, gram- you said grammatics. So I'm like, let me look at this and figure out what he's talking about. And mm-hmm. immediately I went to carding. Like cart. So cart, I, a cart with a C is like the Instacart app. I know. So okay. We're well, momentarily, cart. we're gonna say thank you to those that donate fifty dollars or more a month to the show. <laughs> Uh, Chris D. Avery, our favorite Norwex dealer up in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, John Phillips of Andy Moore Buick, GMC, and Fishers. So if you need a sweet, sweet ride, a GMC or Buick or a fine used car, go see John. He's the sales manager down there. Tell him about Boss Hogg and Jeremiah, and he'll hook you up. Uh, and then Anthony Meyer, who is uh, – he plays part support for Zach Bertram. Yep. He identifies parts so I can chase down people who damage my car. So I did that for fun, Chris. Okay. I mean, I, I, mean, I saw it on I, the drive here. I, I, thought, I did oh. it because – it's like ketchup, right? Nobody can decide how the hell you spell ketchup. I get it. Carding is the one same way, thing. No, carding one people way to spell it. I realize I was in a go kart when I was five years old too. So this was this was just to see if we could stir some controversy. I was up. like, dude, my anxiety on the way here with traffic was like, <laughs> he spelled it, he spelled it pigeon forge go karting. That's what he spelled it. That's, I was gonna say, where's the one place you might be able to find it spelled with a C? I'm like, Brand- oh, Branson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> places where goats. Places where the carts are next to carts a building where you can us. see Jesus yeah. singing. The bears dancing. That's for championship. Those are the championship carts. Uh, uh, oh, championship cars. My my normal co- Dakota. Uh, my normal Dakota. My normal co-host Dakota. Uh, I think it was a, a 10.2 beer across the road here. So we're going to slur our words as we get going. Uh, the first time we had Kyle Robbins on, who's a silver crown driver, and now he's got his Ray Hall Letterman career, um, Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan career, um, brought to you by my Jack. <laughs> he, he said USAC. It wasn't USAC. He just spelled it out. The USIC cars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. It was fun. And then we, We've made fun of him for four years over it now. So that's Robin Miller's. Uh, that was his second favorite, most derogatory four-letter word in his alphabet. Busek. <laughs> that's a fact. We did a roast for Uncle Bobby years ago when I was uh, at Bell Helmets. We sponsored, like you know, Platinum sponsored this event downtown at the Stutz, and I mean, these guys got up there and just roasted Uncle Bobby. I mean, it'd be so hard to find good material on Uncle Bobby. I mean. Very difficult. Well, you know, <laughs> and it just got yeah, after Uncle it. Bobby is Bobby Unser. Bobby uh, Unser. For those that are, uh, are are uninitiated. The man invented everything. He invented air. He invented yeah. aerodynamics. Yeah. He invented bit. stagger. It was a little bit of turkey talk. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> constantly. And so, but Robin said, he was telling a story about something in the USEC days, and he goes, 
such and such new sec, you know, my second favorite four letter word and the, and the one that means the worst or something like that. I'm like, this guy is such a legend. <laughs> Almost wore my Robert Miller for president t-shirt. So you had some involvement and met my wife before I did. Way before, bro. Way early. Way before. Way early when you were carting with a K. Carting with a K. Yeah. Uh, out here at Newcastle. Long, Long time ago, man. Like even before even Newcastle opened, we were racing with the the SIRA, so the Southern Indiana Racing Association. You look like a son. Um, yeah, totes. Uh, I'm from North Long Beach, California. Um, but it, man, like still exchange those years were. Dog. That was forever ago. Yeah, dude, me and Snoop Deal Double G, we're good. Um, we used to run a street racing series, though, man. Like before Newcastle was around, we literally would run 16 to 17 races a year in towns just like Newcastle, where, where we're at right here, where we would shut down the downtown. And you go to, and we'd run a street race. You ever just build a track. Goodland, Indiana. Good, or, Goodland slaps. Or Clinton, Indiana. <clears throat> oh, I know Clinton. They paint their curves you'll, like Italians. You'll like Linton. We yeah. had a race in Linton, Indiana as well. We did. That's when your that's, that's the one that's your where parents, my mom got injured. So that's where your parents did the Flip Cup Nationals. Oh. Clinton, Indiana was like the Long Beach or the Nashville. And then they said, no, we're going to build Road America at Newcastle. Yeah. So when Mark Dismore and his family, you know, put that together, it changed karting. It changed the future of karting in the Midwest. Um you know, because the Midwest was known for the dirty guys, the street races, man. We were rough. Like we'd run for decent money every week. Somebody'd put up money for a win here, money for a win there. But like you won the race or you came back with a broken bone. Like it was, it was, it was sketch town. And I did not know these street <laughs> raced go karts. Oh, dude, it's yep. so legit. That's, like I want to see it. That sounds awesome. Any, anybody get a chance? In, in the early nineties, my parents came and visited Indiana trying to decide. My, they were GM transfers trying to decide where the hell where they're going to live. And I think they were in Richmond. This is probably 92, 92, Ooh. 93. And there was a street race ah. in Richmond. Straw bales. Yeah. Yep. Dude, it was hay bales and snow fencing. We didn't have the tech pro barriers. I mean, I'm already like visualizing a course in downtown Newcastle and we could have a pretty sick one. At the next station identification, I'm going to show you a video. And for those of you that are listening that have never heard of this, um, if you go to YouTube after the show's over, do not leave us. Um, and Mike Burrell, B-U-R-R-E-L-L, Goodland Grand Prix Onboard. Search that one. Um, that's a race I was in with Mike years ago. Heck, nowadays it's probably 15 years ago. It's a really cool onboard of just showing you what Goodland was like and then a very close call when it all ended. Um, <laughs> but wild, I mean, that's what we did though. And then mm-hmm. we got to Newcastle and it really changed and a lot of us had to just get better. Um you went from the short tracks to the high speed technical. Yeah, I mean the the technical side of it, right? It was so different, and like we had to make our program better. And a guy named Mike Gotti, who's now um, lead carbon technician and does the body fits and all the repairs at, at um, Sam Schmidt's IndyCar team, um, he he ran the team. He owned it. It was OMG Audi Motorsports Group, man. Where you know we had factory support from Margay uh, chassis in St. Louis and the Kytus engines over in Illinois and. I remember we did, we had to deal with like impact racing at the time with Bill Simpson and we were the first team in the Midwest to have like full custom kitted karting suits, man. Like we were, we looked so good. Meanwhile, I just had the uh, <coughs> orange cone special from Comet Kart Sales here in Greenfield. 
as 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 everybody mm-hmm. had at one point. Yes. Yeah. And it was not a fire suit. It was No, no, and that, that that's a big thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's a big thing. Like I remember the last time Marco, the one time Marco and Jenny tried to wearing show the coat versus having Well, it's even the material, and it's a massive safety thing. And I'm not gonna try and get too far on this, but I remember Marco and Pippa Man showed up to run Supernats, largest go-kart race in the world, in the parking lot at the Rio All Suites Hotel in Las Vegas. Scusa, it's a Scusa uh, sanctioned event. And he's out there in his little like Minute Maid or Dr. Pepper suit. And I'm like, bro, you can't wear that. Yeah, I mean, this is me. It's my brand, you know? It's, I mean, dude. So what Nomex, right? Nomex is, is, has a fiery retardant chemical makeup. And we wear the Nomex underwear, the Nomex suit. The suit's multiple layers. The threads are made of certain things. That is to protect you in a race car where there's a fuel tank that you are strapped into. In a cart with a K, we are strapped to nothing. And the so, seat is what is holding you. Yeah, up. you're in the seat in your That's hands, it. right? And 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 the pressure on your inside knees on that fuel tank. Yes. Um, and honestly, if you get launched with an Omex suit, it it becomes like grip tape on the asphalt. And dude, you would like I'd rather have Levi's on, and that's what it was. So a lot of the, in the early karting days, it was Levi jeans and a karting jacket, which is actually made out of kind of like a oh, it starts with an N also, but. It's a super high gloss uh, material, and it was built for abrasion as resistance. So when you would get launched out, you would just slide, yeah. like kind of like leathers on a motor on a motorcycle. Yeah. Yep. And that's what, if you go down to Newcastle now and you rent a go kart, that's what they put on you. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they throw they you the Azusa safety jacket and say, "Good luck, yeah. have fun." Also, so don't get run over by the. I'll say this though: Marco at Newcastle started a grass fire one time with this cart. I was in that race. Yeah. He, and that was the one where he was cheating most of the race. He was cutting a he was cutting a turn. They're yeah, like, yeah. So like he just set a track record by twelve seconds. <laughs> yeah, I was in the, the Dan Weldon Memorial yeah. Pro Am. Yeah, he flipped his cart and started a small fire. He stomped yeah. it out though, but yeah, I so never forget. So back in the day when you come to Newcastle, you you would come just up and down the State Road Three corridor. Did you, you didn't have the appreciation for this fine town that you do tonight? No, wicked cool though. I'll be back. Yeah. All right. We got a chair for you at any time. So, after you got you graduated from karting yourself, yeah, you you, uh, you got into this driver management thing. Well, there there was a big and, section and, in and the middle few, and a few in between. The biggest, I think, the biggest point was right there. Was before all of that. Um, I mean, I stopped racing, and I realized, man, like instead of spending money and hoping to put enough back together to make it back to the track the next week, uh, the offset, the medical bills. Right, the concussions. I'm at 22 concussions and two brain bleeds right now as we sit here. Majority of them from street racing karting. Because like I'm not lying to you, the way the way it wasn't me and other people would say I was out of control or whatever. We were really fast. I but never it, got injured, but I was in the the kids class. But well, you helped see, <laughs> but you started. You tried. I did try. And our thing was like, man, we were fast, and we were going to run up front and stay up front, and we weren't going to finish. And that was my attitude, and it was, you know, young and stupid. And two or three people with the same attitude, you end up hurt a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so, you know, I got out of the cart, did some legend car stuff, did a few other things, some roadster things, had some ideas, but honestly, I didn't have any money. My parents have a business in motorsports. The last thing they want to do is go to a racetrack when they're not on the road racing. So. I started working on carts and then I started to realize and it was Jay Howard was the first one. What had happened was, is my parents owned a graphics company that did all the graphics for the likes of Chip Ganassi racing, Sam Schmidt motorsports back then. Schmidt had just a lights team and an amazing, amazing, amazing human who's no longer with us. Chris Griffiths ran that program. 
And he was over at my parents. My parents ran this company for over 30 years and they never had a facility. The basement of my house growing up in West side of Indianapolis was performance graphics HQ. Um, they were and just printing the plotters print, or whatever. Plotters, the printers, laminators. They had it all. She, I mean, my mom, my parents for 22 years, they were on 22 or 26 years were on site at every single IndyCar and IRL out target champ logos. car. And they did it for 80% of the field. And they were the only company to my knowledge still to date that's actually taking the equipment on the road. Right. So it was set up there. They were committed to it. And back then we weren't wrapping cars, right? Back then, you know, you were going to, you were going to a city and you were signing a local insurance agent to jump on your car for 20 grand or yep. whatever. And so go see Ellen. She'll, she'll make your stickers at the track. And Chris Griffiths, my dad was spotting at the time. He had quit fueling. He was spotting in the IRL. He, my dad was with CGR for a long time. He won 8,500 there with Montoya, won 8,500 there with Dixon. Um, and he, um, he was spotting and Chris Griffiths goes, Hey, Christopher, I need, I need a spotter tomorrow for this Indy lights test at the speedway. And your dad does it. And you want to do it? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And I did it. And it was a Jay Howard, this new, arrogant, cocky kid that looked like Rod Stewart. Jay wasn't in IndyCar yet himself. He no, was it was Indy, Indy lights. lights. And so, which is the triple A for those. That yep. The next, initiated. yep. One step down. And, and so we, we did this test at the speedway and, Chris goes, Hey man, good job. You know, we're going to, we'd like to have you do the race too, the freedom 100. Let's go. Can't wait. Um, so you can, and then, and then like a week, like hey, uh, maybe hey, two days later, way, those cars are going to be seven wide. Good luck. Yeah. And like not too long later, like once I'm within days, Chris Griffiths calls me to say, come to the shop. Oh like, yes, sir. I'm 18 years old. <laughs> now, this is 2000. And I'm going to tell you, cause I have, a, I have a list. And it came up today at work. Um, the Rod Stewart. 2006. Graduated high school, Ben Davis High School, 2005. So one year later in May, I'm back at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. One of the hottest Indy 500s on record, by the way. Oh, yeah. And so I'm there. This is the Sam Hornish, Marco Andretti race. Uh, yeah, I about jumped off the roof. Thought I thought my career was going to be done, and so was my life in that moment. So I was like, there's no way this is okay. Um, but he then tells me, Hey, I want to talk about the Indy 500. Oh, what about it? Because I had ran tires. I had my first Indy 500 I worked was 2003 running tires for AJ Foyt Racing. I did it in 030405 for Anthony, Larry, and Larry with finishes of 18th, 32nd, and 33rd. Thank you, Larry, um, <laughs> who's now one of my closest, dearest friends. Um, and he goes, No, oh, we're going to run, uh, we're going to run Ayrton Dare in a Samson Motorsports random one off for the Indy 500. You did a good job at the test. You're gonna do the lights card. Do you want a spot for the race? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, <laughs> I know in lights, I'm paying you a hundred bucks a day for that car. I'll pay you two hundred bucks a day. And I'm Double like, your pay. I'm like, bro, but dude, a chili cheese burrito at Taco Bell was seventy cents back then, man. Like that was great. And so, sure enough, I did it, and that was my first IndyCar race I ever spotted. Was the 2006 Indy 500, and we finished it two laps down, mind you. They put you in but turn really, one or turn, turn one. three. Turn one. I have You're never. You're the turn one spotter. I have never in my life. Who the hell did they find to spot turn three? Trevor Minchner, who's still with Del Coin all these years later. Was it Trevor's first race as well? I have no idea, man. It's been so long That's ago. A, so level of panic, lap one. Pro. <laughs> turn one. Pro. <laughs> oh, my God. Because they crashed. Well, well but to PJ be fair. PJ Chesson yeah, crashed yeah. in that. But to be fair. That. To be this fair, is, yes, I remember this. Guys. I did the Freedom 100 though right. on on Carb Day two days with ago. Jay Howard. How many cars were in the Indy Lights race that year? I don't, I don't know because I only saw two. two. And, and 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 in all honesty, 
Wade Cunningham was driving for Brian Stewart, Canadian legend, Jay for Sam Schmidt. My dad, remember, he's the, <laughs> I'm the guy. Scott Dixon's spotter. We're winning races. He was with him from, well, that have been 06 to 09. Whenever Ganassi came, when Dixon came over to the IRL, whatever they called it at that point, till through the end of 20, 2009, my dad was with them. They won a championship in 519 races together. Um, but he's got all this, this confidence. He's got Wade Cunningham. Well, I got this kid, Jay Howard. Again, looks like Rod Stewart. We ran one, two, the whole race. We're leaning on each other. We're leaning on each other. And in that moment, it was in that race that I learned a very valuable lesson about competition in motorsports and spotting, especially it does not matter who the person next to you is. It does not matter if you, if they're your father, you treat them like they are the biggest competition in your life because your car is what matters. Cause I looked over and at one point and my dad, I mean, bless his heart. He's not a mechanic. He's not an engineer, never, not a race car driver. He raced off road cars and he ran the Baja 1000 several times. But he, he's an inside, outside, clear guy, right? That's what he says. Inside, outside, clear, got to run, go get him. And spotting has evolved a lot since then, but he, that's kind of where he's at still, and he's still doing it. But I leaned over, I'm like, man, that thing keep jumping out of gear, exit of one? And, hey, guys, I think this thing's jumping out of gear, exit of one. I'm like, you dirty dog. He beat us by about three feet to the line. Oh, I was devastated. Devastated. Uh, ran second. Started my spotting career running second at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Um, but yeah, dude, turn one of that thing. And and I think I think that's when Chesson had the Carmelo car with Hemelgarn. Yeah, dude, and that thing was a was his, a gem. His G Force. Yeah, like yeah. So, yeah, but they did not make it out of turn two. I was sitting in the infield of turn yeah. two that weekend. I think they crashed I, more they center were, exit. They were, um, it was teammates. It was PJ and somebody else. Whoever his teammate were, they I'm crashed. Tell you who his teammate was. It's a young. It was a young American. His dad drove for a Honda and won a Formula One. It was Jeff was Bucknam. It? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was either him or Phil Giebler. I remember. Now Giebler, Giebler never ran the Hemelgarn. He ran the Playa Dell. There you go. Yeah, rookie of the year. It's the other Panos. So that, but that's when it started on the spotter stand, man. And and all these years later, um, I finally got a Freedom One Hundred win. Way later on, those are with, tougher to get now. With well, yeah, um, <laughs> with Mateus Laced, um, we won there with Carlin. Um, I was so pumped that year, it was 2017, and then um, the best best finish at the 500, albeit we've I've done about everything I could, and the people I've been with have done everything they could, is second, in 2022 with the uh, Pato Award. Close. Very yeah. close. Oh, it still <laughs> still burns, but uh it burned us all. But hey, you know what the cool part is? That day for Chip Ganassi Racing helped pave the way, and that's where I'm at now. And and um like man, it's good, right? Like you can't can't complain about that coming off this year. But um so then we get to COVID, man. Like I'm struggling with my concussions for a long time. I think we've talked about this before and twenty nineteen I didn't spot at all. I'm still at Bell Helmets, and I'm trying to get my brain right, you know, and just trying to really. So you've had enough <clears throat> concussions to be a mat- subject matter expert for Bell Helmets to put you to work. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and I end up I end up running everything for motorsports in North, South, Central America, New Zealand for Bell. Started in '16, took it over as me, right, and Kyle Kitzman, the, the CEO, and um, he slowly let me build my group, and uh, then I moved, um, opened a facility in Speedway, Indiana, 
Um, then we opened one in Charlotte and, you know, the, for some of the last projects I did, but, um, I took that whole year off from spotting. I just didn't, I didn't want to do it. Um, I was having anxiety, too much anxiety, stuff like that. I mean, you know, you see, you see, you can only see somebody of your friends get killed in a race car. You can only be involved in so much stuff. You know, losing Dan Weldon was really tough. Great human being, close friend. Um, losing Justin Wilson, very tough, very close friend. Um, and then 17 with Sebastian Bourdais at Indianapolis really, really hit me hard. This is his qualifying crash? Yeah. I mean, Sebastian uh, was in my wedding in 2016. I mean, we are we are so close. Um, and that one, like, just put me back. And I got through 18, but I could I knew something was wrong. And so um, my ex-wife, Rachel, amazing human being. Um, she was like, hey, you got to do something. Funny, I, you know, I, I don't even remember the sequence. It was me. It was Marshall Pruitt. It was whoever wrote the forward, Ryan McGee from ESPN and Dale Jr. in a group text. And Dale's like, why didn't you call? And Marshall, Marshall's like, hey, guys, I'm just trying to connect here. And Ryan's like, yeah, what do you guys need type thing? And then once Dale put the pieces together, he's like, really? Like, why are these other people getting involved? Why didn't you call me? I could have gotten you to Pittsburgh. And I'm like, bro, like, honestly, I, it wasn't until the one moment when I'm speaking on the phone to Marshall Pruitt, I'm inside the, the United Center, whatever they call it, America's Center in St. Louis, where the Rams used to play. Yeah. Reggie Bush won his 36 the, million. The TWA dome. Yeah. Um, for the dirt in December, dirt late model midget and modified indoor dirt race, which is actually happening this weekend. Um, I was sitting in there and I just, I was, it was bad. Um, you go through stuff and, and for those of you that have never don't know anything about it and um, that stuff has to come out of you somehow, right? Just like if you have an infection or something, like it's got to come out of you, Um, but it's not physical. So it's hand tremors. It's stuttering. It's absolute pure insomnia. It's mood swings. It's, it's anger outrages. It's, I didn't go to, I went to a grocery store one time in three years didn't know this until reflecting on it with the doctor, but Dale Jr. gets me dialed in. I go to Pittsburgh. Rachel and I go out there, see a doctor and we start a plan. So 2019, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to be Seb's guy. And at this point, like I've been helping Seb a lot, um, Bordet on deals and getting stuff lined up, getting stuff ready. And then honestly, it wasn't really well, into 2019. I leave bell. Um, I leave bell. And I get a text message from Kevin Swindell from Swindell Speed Lab. He's like, hey, man, I don't know if this works or not, but let's just give it a try. And I'm like, I got nothing else to do, right? Um, And we get to about about November. The aero screen's coming out. The rules to test an aero screen, though, if you're a current IndyCar team, is you have to have a veteran driver. You're allowed one veteran driver to test this thing, right? So it's easy for some of these teams to pick, right? Pinsky's going to use Newgarden. Um, you know, Ganassi's going to use Dixon, however it lines up. Well, Dale Coyne has young Santino Frucci and Sebastian Bourdais. And, um, <laughs> Dale, Dale Coyne, at the end of the season, we had gone to Dale for the second straight year saying, hey man, look, we've got four offers on the table and they're great. And Dale's like, no, you're my guy. Okay. I mean, Dale, you have the contract. We're just seeing if we can get out of there. You got to ask. And so we asked. We said no. So we go down to uh, Sebring. I fly down there for the Bell stuff. We're trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? I mean, dude, (laughs) 
nobody had a clue, right? Like oh, we're gonna have this one scoop, and here's a NASCAR Air Channel. Like I'm, I've got. Totes. You're trying to figure out how to ventilate it. How am I gonna do this, right? Like, and so like I've got totes of stuff on team trucks, and I mean I'm spending an absurd amount of money on Bell Helmets credit card on CPAP hosing and 3D printer people to make me adapters and different things, and you know this kid to draw my brain, draw the thoughts of my brain into CAD for me, and we're down there, and everybody's in a great mood, and. I leave and then Seb calls me the next day. He's like, Hey, uh, Dale fired me last night after you left. And I'm like, so what the, he was down there testing and then they found another, another opportunity. Yeah. And another driver to, um, so car. basically it's like they, you know, they was kept, Mal- set, they put Malukas in the car. No, they put a, a young man named Alex Pelot. Oh, car. there you go. Um, and so not, not my happiest time of my life. And, um, so I, I got, dude, I was shook. I was angry. This is going into 2020. Yeah, this is like late November, yeah. right? And you're just kind of like, I'm, I, I am over the top upset. And, um, I called Seb and he, he's, he's French. Like, I love the guy to death, but he has some of that. Nah, it's okay. Well, meh. Doesn't have the American rage and anger. Yeah, it's just different, right? And, and it's not that it's wrong. It's just different than what, I, what we're used to. And, and look, I, and I've told him this to his face, like, he can be a bit mopey. Like, he, when he's down, it's, he's down. But also to be as good as he is when he's on at what he does for a profession, it's understandable. And um, I said, dude, I'm not giving up on this. And he's like, hey, if you want to be the guy that keeps my career alive and be the guy to make all this happen, you've, you've been doing it anyway. Just just do it. Um, so Swindell Speed Lab, we're at Las Vegas for the Supernats with Rio doing merch and content. And man, I don't know how I did it, but for 14 days, I kept this thing a secret. I talked to every team owner in the paddock for 14 days and nobody told the media. I got Marshall, one of my closest buddies, calling me asking, hey, what's going on here? Hey, what's that? I'm like, yep, good. Everything's great. I'm like, feel bad not telling you, bro, but I can't afford to tell you. Yep. And um, every team owner I talked to, Chris, a month ago, Chris, six weeks ago, Chris, three weeks ago, I could have done this. We, I, we would have loved it, the opportunity for Sebastian Bourdais to be in our race car, but I'm full. One guy didn't have that answer. The name? Larry Foy. 14 car. And Larry's like, oh, well, let's talk about it. And again, I've known Larry since he was racing USF cars. And um, I said, well, I'll be in Vegas. He goes, well, I'm in Vegas. I said, where are you at? He goes, I'm at the MGM. I said, well, I'm at the Rio. He goes, huh. And I said, I'm not letting you out of it. 1230 MGM next to the sports bar, sports book. So there's the, the, there's the, the mechanical horse racing. So it's a digital horse sports book, but you remember bubble ball? It's like a bubble ball thing, but it's the little, and we're just watching the metal horses. You're go just around. watching the metal horses go around, but the race is <laughs> on the TV. Right. Okay. And I said, he goes, how do you know that where that's at? I'm like, don't, don't, hey, don't ask dumb questions here Foyt. Okay. Just, you know where it's at. There's a bar right next to it. Super dark, low lit velvet curtains. I'll be there. 1230. He's like, all right. Tall adults at the table next to you. Yeah. So we get in there, man, and we leave with a six race deal. And subs and, and, and it leaves with a six race deal because that morning he's still a Dalton Kellett. So we'd managed Kellett didn't we kind of had a budget. He had most of the budget. Kellett, Kellett had done a full year the year before, but they weren't sure what was going to happen the next year. Yeah. And it was just one of those things where not everything I got to move, man. My, my lower back, my butt is numb. Go anywhere you need to go. Um, yeah. And so basically what had happened was, is, you know, and this was an opportunity for AJ Foyt Racing. 
right? To really put a champion in the car. Yeah. Well, let's really it, evaluate in this. a developer. Like for people that know, Sebastian Bourdais was like, did four straight championships in cart. Four straight in cart for Newman Haas. Then he went to Formula One for Toro Rosso. Yeah. And then blew up 17 of 21 motors. Yeah. Um, one in a Dale Coin car, which yeah, well, only Justin but, Wilson but had went, done. But then, yeah. but then went. To the, to the Peugeot factory. Yeah, he was a factory WEC, WEC driver. Program. So he's he like, the Sebastian is a, is a legend, dude. And he's he's a person that he's an interesting personality. But yeah. he had ever since the, the like reunification, the collapse of cart had kind of struggled to never get once a, ride a ride deserving of, of his talents yeah. in IndyCar. He never, never really had gotten it. And that was, that was the disappointing part for how that went down in 19 was those deserving rides. Like we had, we had found ourselves in a position in a market where experience outweighed youth and budget, right? Like there were some teams with funded programs, championship caliber programs calling. Yeah. You could get hired, but the timing didn't work. But the timing just didn't work. And it was like, man, it's unfortunate. So at this point, four years in the river mirror, can you tell us what cars might've been available? No. No. Still, still secret. Still can't. Um, but, um, but they were good. And, um, but you look at it now, and, and I mean, you, you go back to that time, I guess, and earlier that morning, Seb's like, yeah, I don't have a lot of faith in that. Da, 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 da. He's still kind of moping around in St. Pete, just kind of figured it out. Like, at the end of the day, like, Spash Warday didn't need to go to work. He He's done fine. He's going to be okay. Great wife, two amazing kids. Just keep getting older every day. You know, his daughter's off at Ballet Academy in Asheville, I think, and, and his son Alex is is doing great like theater stuff down Tampa St. Pete and also video production schooling like as a, as a 12 year old, right? Like the kid's killing it. He wrote a song about a girlfriend about heartbreak. I'm like, bro, like, okay. K Jonas brothers. <laughs> and, um, but I mean, he didn't need to go racing. The problem with guys like Sebastian Bourdais is the only thing they've ever wanted to do is go racing. Right. That's the biggest fault. And so, uh, he wanted, he wanted to keep going, but Mustang sampling had left okay Action Express with the new incoming DPI sports car the, IMSA. These are all these are not IndyCar teams. These yeah, sorry, the sports in, car IMSA, IMSA, IMSA side. Car program. So we are, we are transitioning the top level of IMSA racing to a new chassis, a new class called DPI, and which is basically one, a universal chassis between the US and Europe. Not yet. That's our current oh, that's, one. Okay. Yeah, this was the this is the one before. They're trying that. to move that way though. Yeah, it's where we're headed or what we're doing, um, and basically. Action Express racing had gone from two cars to one car. And Seb had always had like the endurance rounds, the 24, those types of things with Action Express and the Mustang sampling car. Well, Mustang sampling and Christian Fittipaldi was kind of the liaison on it. Took that to John Church Motorsports out of Minnesota and JDC. They called Seb. Um, You're not doing anything. (laughs) Yeah. Would you come drive our car full time? And he's like, I want to. I love JDC. They're great people. Do you ever get back? Right? Here's the question. Yeah. Once you, and it, once does, you go it doesn't there. matter if you're 20, 30, but especially when you're 40. Yeah. Do you come back? And this is, this is what Elio Castroneves dealt with. This is what exactly Ryan Briscoe went over to yep. drive a sports car for. for and, and let's and let's talk about that, right? Like Ryan Briscoe, one of the talented, most talented people to ever drive a race car. Like, truly, does he have the results in the championships? No. But when it came to raw talent, the guy was incredible. Elio Castroneves, right? Four time minute. Don't even just p- please continue. Multi-time Indianapolis 500 <laughs> champion, because um, that the other winner would be even worse. So I don't want to know. Love the guy. No, um, I, I just I just love I love the quirkiness of sports on that. But 
Um, I, I, it's one of those things where like, do I come back? And he's like, man, I'm going to take it. I have to take it. Take it. So he takes it. So seven hours later, I managed to piece together a six phase schedule that doesn't conflict with it. So we get down to St. Pete and the world stops. Oh, now we have to re- redo the entire calendar again, bro. And ended up with only one race. He he basically did the Grand Prix, right? No. He, or, oh, he did. Yeah. Sorry. It was like two or three. It was the yeah. last three races. Yeah. And it was all because of leader circle, right? Because like, they needed to get that they car needed to get in the car in. money. And so I'll never forget those St. Pete. Um, he had to beat Marco. Like that's what it came down to. Marco versus Bordet and Dre versus Foyt. Tied in the points, whoever be two. And uh, to be fair, to give Marco Andretti credit, dude was running like eight, digging. The best street race performance he's had in a very long time. And Sato got him over in like five, six, and just what I'm hearing buried is that him. you were responsible for ending Marco Andretti's IndyCar career. No. You got Sebastian on the grid, and then he beat Marco, and then Marco never went full time again. You know? After you got him knocked out of the park. Uh, I will accept all the thank yous and blessings. <laughs> Without, without that, would we have Marco Andretti, the SRX champion? No. See? No. You changed his life. See? Got his first championship you and got race win in 14 years. I think years. probably, if we follow this logic, you're the reason why Gainbridge is now in NASCAR. I, I really don't want to take credit for that either. And <laughs> and Andretti Global has uh, has has moved to NASCAR and has uh, got their little portion of Spire. So, um, All because Chris Wheeler wouldn't let it go at, in Vegas. Yeah. But that year, we, we were able to lock in at, at Road America. Larry Foyt and I got together. One of the coolest stories of my life. At this point, I'm playing a lot of Call of Duty with with a lot of my friends. Oliver Askew's. Oliver Askew, Kyle Kirkwood were on my couch and spare bedroom for over 10 years. Anytime they're in Indiana until they both made it to IndyCar. Even during the COVID thing, Oliver Askew has a job. He has an apartment in Carmel. I have a garage. He doesn't. So what does he do? He goes to his trainers at St. Vincent's, whoever they, they were. They loaded up a, a U-Haul full of gym equipment. And he, he shows up at my house. Hey, bro, didn't think you'd mind, but I need a gym. <laughs> for COVID. Every day, the kid's in there at, at my garage at 8 a.m. just turning up the tunes. Um, and so... What did the neighbors think? Oh, well, you we just, we had just these, moved in. Oh, this is great. You've just got these young... No, this is great. Young men showing up in your we garage. We just moved in like two weeks. Like, ah, okay, we closed two weeks before the world stopped, pretty much. I can't got everything moved. And like that May, the world's still closed. I had David Hunt and the Mac Daddies in my backyard, and I had seventy five people in my in my yard. And it's like, you want to wear a mask? Wear a mask. You don't want to wear a mask? Don't wear a mask. I don't care. There's four hundred and fifty cold beers sitting in this horse trough over here. There's a bartender. There's a. I mean, I had a, I was flat topping and smoking salmon. I mean, we had we had the. I don't care. I need you guys all in my life party. Yeah. And my neighbors, like half of them were there drinking beers and half of them were like reporting us to local <laughs> authorities. Um, but um, so as we, anyway, as we're getting through all this, you know, um, playing a lot of Call of Duty. Alexander Kariba has already kind of entered the, the picture at that point. He really still wasn't racing anything full time. Um, Zach Feach and I's relationship picked up. Oliver's always been. I mean, his birthday was the other day. I tweeted happy birthday to my firstborn. Because you know he's he will always be that that kid to me, um, and then it just kind of formulated right the the Swindell thing just didn't work and it wasn't it wasn't be, for any reason other than you know for Kevin you know, Kevin was was paralyzed in a sprint car Knoxville Nationals years ago for his rehab and for his health betterness he needed to be in Charlotte and for business he needed to be in Charlotte and I refused to go to Charlotte at the end of the day I'm not 
Not gonna do it. You're three one seven based, bro. I could have done it when I was maybe seven any six other, five adjacent. Yeah, maybe. Carry the four, divide by nine. We'll figure it out. Um, but literally, like I'm just like I had those opportunities when I was younger to really go embrace that world down there. And at this point in my career, I don't want to restart there. Um, but also, I'm thinking, wow, if I just would have known this pandemic was coming, I wouldn't have quit that really good job I had at Bell. Um, so hanging out a lot of Call of Duty again, and it spreads into the summer. And next thing I know. You know, worried about what I did for Sebastian once we announced Sebastian full time. Like, oh, how'd that happen? Oh, Wheeler did that. Oh, well, maybe I need to call Wheeler. Right. Then Veach's relationship with Andretti starts to come apart at the end. And, and I get the phone call. Hey, can you help? Um, Oliver Askew decides to go a dis- different direction once he's released from McLaren from the company he was with. He goes, hey, bro, I need you. And the calls just kept coming. And I'm like, I guess I'm doing this. So I called Jason Folk. How, um, do you know how the business model of that's supposed to work? Because that's the part where I, I just be I like, I don't out. know what the hell I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was very lucky to be able to figure it out with Sebastian, right? Like, it was a pretty clean slate. But it's all, just like everything else, not just in life, especially in motorsports, man. It's all about people, right? The first thing I did at any point, well, Sebastian, it's a bit different, right? Sebastian has great representation on the legal side already. And he has a whole career of like, well, here's the contract I had with this. Here's here's this. Let's look through the... And it was all good. Um, his legal counsel, everybody was really great there. Um, but for a lot of stuff, I called Jason Folk, um, who was with a big firm downtown. 20 plus years of motorsport litigation, contract litigation. Um, we knew each other because he did a lot of work for Charlie Kimball. And I said, Jason, here's kind of what's naturally happening here. You know, I already had the consulting company because I'd go put half a million dollars on this this program because I knew the guy and you know I'd make my commissions and I, and I was already doing a lot of this commission business development type stuff but the driver thing was different <laughs> and so it just took off man and you know we had Veach and we had Askew and we had Creep and we had Bourdais and we're, we're doing all these things and um, you know it came down to it and, and Chip Ganassi Racing called for Sebastian and you know Chip I'm pretty confident Chip just called Seb and said hey we're doing this it was him or Mike Hole um and that's one of those things where it's like, I'm not getting in the middle of this, right? Like, you, you know, you know, by the people in the paddock and the deal you're doing that they're, what they're going to put in front of you is going to be right. It's going to be legit. and It's going to be fair. It's not everybody does that. But when they say Roger Pence is calling, Chip Ganassi is calling, you say, okay, right? You, thank you. May I have another? It's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, and, and he was so, calling for the IMSA program. The Cadillac. He was calling it, for the Cadillac program. And so Seb, Seb came to me and he's like, hey, man, you know. I know Foyt has an option and there's all these t- possible things. What do you think? And I was like, Seb, here's what I care about. I care about two things. I care about one, not screwing anybody over and two, you being happy. Everything we've done and everything I've done to this point in this world has been above the table. So far above the table, we probably lost more than we won because I was too honest for an industry and that side of it that isn't always full of honest people. And so um, what's Foyt? And Foyt's like, hey, I'd love to have you back, but... Honestly, man, I don't know if we're going to have the budget. Kirkwood's coming up. We might have a shot at him. And Seb's like, look, bro, take him. I'm going to do this. And it's been great. Sebastian loves it, right? Sebastian loves that program. We got to go to, I mean, I was at Lamar with him this calendar year um, when the, on the CGR side. And so while all this is going on, I'm still spotting. Or no, so I'm, I come back to spotting in 2020 because of Will Power. His spotter stuck over, as all this is developing, this new business, his spotter stuck in Europe racing for, for most of the summer. So there's a seven race stretch and Will calls me and goes, bro, I need your help. What do you need? 
we knew each other a lot from the from early days, but I was doing a lot with him in karting at the time, even with uh, Billy Vincent and Will Power Kart. And I said, "Yeah, what do you need, man?" And he goes, "I need a spotter." I'm like, "Oh, dude." <laughs> I said, "I that's behind me." And he goes, "Mate, yeah, blah 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 blah." I'm like, "I don't know, man. I'm for sure it's behind me." Like, I haven't been this mentally like healthy and happy in a long time. Is this like going into Texas? This would have been going into Road America would have been the first race. Okay. Um, so it was like, like it was doubleheader Road America, doubleheader Gateway, doubleheader Iowa, Indy 500. Because there was like a Texas one where everybody flew in for the day. Yeah. So I didn't even go. Yep. I wasn't even there. I, I watched it from Pittsburgh on the couch. Yep. Um, but it was doubleheader at Iowa, doubleheader Gateway, doubleheader Road America, and the Indy 500. Those are my seven races I had. And so. So you're telling me you've spotted for Penske, bro? You don't want Ganassi, McLaren, and Hemelgarn. Never spotted for Hemelgarn directly. No, it wasn't Hemelgarn. Oh, oh, Foyt. It was Foyt. I'm sorry. In, Technically, Foyt in the 06 Indianapolis 500. That was Schmidt. Schmidt. That was a. If sh- you look, if you look at the current teams, have you have you spotted at Hunkos? Well, it depends on how you phrase it. Carlin Hunkos. I, yeah. I mean, I was the first guy, Carlin. Jeff Fickling hired uh, Carlin for the oval development and, and teaching of their drivers for the lights. So I checked Carlin off the list. Yeah. Um, and, and carry over Hunkos. Worked with Foyt early on as a tire carrier, but I also spotted for Sebastian that that race in St. Pete in 2019, even though I wasn't spotting more. It's St. Pete. Like I said, I said like seven yeah. words. It's fine. Um, Ganassi. CFH, Hartman. Pinsky. Uh, Carpenter. No Ed Carpenter Racing. Not yet. No Ed Carpenter racing. Um, Ray Hall. I, I did a Ray Hall race. The Indy 500 one year with Michelle Jordan Jr. Oh, yeah. When we caught on fire like four different times throughout the month and that fourth car hand-me-down pro. It was, oh my goodness. But Michelle and I, Michelle Jordan Jr., I've known since I was six years old. Like He was so pumped. And Tom Anderson, who's a legend, was running the program. And Tom Anderson's one of those people that like, you know, when you grow up around it and he's the guy, you have so much respect for him. And, Tom Anderson calls you and he only calls you once. I was sitting out the year because we had lost Dan. We had lost Dan and I, and I sat it out and my, so my dad worked for Dan when Dan was killed. And um, so he won Indy 500 with him that year. And I just, I had no interest in being there. I had no interest in doing it. And my dad likes to tell the story differently. We're like, pretty much like, Hey, uh, my old man, needs a job. Cause he, he didn't have anything going on. And so I, he went to, this, I hate this. He went to coin, replaced me where I quit with Justin Wilson and they go win Texas. I'm like what? You know how many years? <laughs> you know how many years I have worked my butt off running 19th with Dale Coin and on then these, he, is it Ray on Hall, Oval. Is it side by side with Ray Hall for the win, I think. Yeah. 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 Well, Ray Hall touched the wall with like two to go or something. Yeah. And like all these years and Packy shows up as first oval parks in Victory Lane. I'm like, come on, man. Clear. And it actually comes down to, it was years later, it was with KVSH at the Milwaukee Mile, July 12th, 2015, that I got my first oval win in IndyCar as a spotter. 2006 Indy 500 to the 2015 Milwaukee Mile is how long it took me to go to victory lane on an oval. Did you guys win that by like a lap? At one point, yeah, we lapped the field. Yeah. Um, But so power calls, I'm like, dude, I'll do it. Whatever. Boy, oh boy, we were good too. We, I mean, we dominated five of the seven races and just 
we had zero luck once you were on pit lane, whether it was just a a silly, easily small mistake on a strategy or a fumbled inside front on a stop that mattered. Like we didn't win a single one, um, but I felt good. And we went back and forth. Am I going to go there in 2021? Is is his other guy who he's had since 08 going to be with him back full time? And at the end of the day, you know, I told Will, look, you just need to stick with your guy. I don't like complicated things. Yep. And then and the papaya opportunity came along. Well, and that's a weird one, right? So Taylor Kyle, my, man, we, I don't hide it. We've been best friends since we were six years old. We've done everything together. But we never worked together um, until until 2021 and he called me and he goes hey i heard you're not doing the pinsky thing i'm like no i'm not he goes what are you gonna do i'm like well i don't know you've been talking to rachel you know at this point i was still married and i'm like why you guys sound the same right now and he's like why don't you come over for lunch i'm like i don't i don't want to come over for lunch i don't even want to have this conversation and he's like trust me you need to come over for lunch so i came over for lunch and he just takes this piece of paper right here pulls it out from under his from his desk and goes I'm like, what's that? He goes, just read it. I turned it over and I'm like, oh, really? Huh. That's what I'll think about it. <laughs> and he's like, that's the most lucrative spotter, spotter, driver, assistant, helmet, technician, contract IndyCar has ever seen. I'm like, yeah, but it's still not perfect. He goes, what do you want? I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> and so we, we did. We worked through it. it was super fair with each other. You didn't um, want to share hotel rooms, did you? To be fair, I didn't care there because my our buddy Cole was there, right? So I was like, I was like, I will do this, the shared hotel room if I get to pick my roommate of anybody in the building. <laughs> He's like, as long as they're male, yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, well. <laughs> um, and so so that's what we did and um, kicked it off. And as I did, I did the, I looked after the helmets. I looked after Pato personally. I looked after Felix personally. Like, two great kids, two great human beings. Um, did you have to get the ice for the ice bath? No, nope, not my problem. But on road and street courses, I spotted for both of them. So I would spot for the, for the, for the five and the seven, both at the same time. Just and, flipping channels on your radio. No, what dude, the hell are you doing? I had the ugliest setup. I was running like five radios. So I had two handheld boxes. There's a, Five car, seven car here um, for the actual car conversation. And then strategist, strategist for each car. And then a fifth radio coming up as a scanner, which was race control. And they knew the rules. If they were anywhere close to each other, the one in front of the other got priority, period. Um, You're like a walking radio shack. So so this doesn't cause an existential crisis for you if your boys are wheel to wheel. Nah, I mean, it, 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 we we did learn it, it, it we learned corner. It, we learned it in Nashville that actually that year we actually had to use it for the first time. Where if I hold both car push and talks at the same time, I can just say it once. Because at one point I'm like green, 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 yellow, yellow, runoff, runoff. Like, and I'm, I'm juggling the stuff, and then we tested it, and sure, like it always sounds good under the tent when you're testing it or in the shop. But what about when the action's on the racetrack? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it worked. And so, uh, that was the plan. And then I think, you know, going into 22, they made some changes and they wanted to shift some things up. And, um, they said, Hey dude, uh, we're going to move you full time to Pato's car only. I'm like, well, whatever you want to do. Right. I think I'd gone back and I'm like, Hey dude, if you want me to spot for two cars at once, probably you need to pay me at least like time and a half. Like, 
This there was there was some that you're. By the way, we're gonna add a third card, and you got that one too. Yeah, I'm like, cool. Let me see. Take you one of those. Uh, the <laughs> guys that can like move a mouse and work work a computer with their feet. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, we're gonna keep, be on the, the keyboard seven as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that was cool. It was a good year, but I did. Oh, man, I was tired of being. I just don't want to be an IndyCar spotter. Um, I'm just tired, man. Like I'm tired of it. I'm not gonna lie. I'm 37, dude. I was 18 when I started this. My eyes are not the same eyes as they were in 2006. They're not. And I work with a great guy at, I'm going to, I'm going to do a shameless plug here. Aries sports, uh, vision up in the, up in Carmel, uh, Dr. Joe. I worked with him for, for about four years now. And he, he brought years back to me visually with all the visual training. He works with baseball players and hockey players, help them identify the puck, identify pitches, that type of stuff. So, so how your eye training and, and your reaction to, and everything works and identifying things at high rates of speed and identifying changes at high rates of speed. The guy's great, but even somebody that good, you're only going to get it so much better than it, than it is when there's so much, when it's already gone so far. And so got a little harder, got a little more frustrating. And so Toronto actually went to, to Max, who's one of the team managers and he handled spotters. And I said, Max, I'm sorry, man, but I'm going to get you to the end of the year. I will help you find the replacements. Um, but I'm done. He goes, why? And I said, I'm tired of spotting. He goes, why else? And I'll, I'll be a hundred percent honest on this one. I was not a fan of the culture and how it was changing at the race team. I wasn't happy with the politics coming, becoming more, more formula one British. Yeah. I just, yeah. and it's not, look, business is business, man. But I, I just, when I went there, it was the really cool family vibe that Sam Schmidt built. Um, you know, I was in that shop for years when I didn't even work there. Like the the, the team party at the end of the year, I was at it every year. I was, just, I was part of the team without having them paying me for years, and a lot of great friends over there. That's where it all started for me on this on this realistically in this career journey. And but it just and it's not even like we're going through some changes. Like, dude, it it's like if we left here and we came back tomorrow and they had put German schmear on your brick, and you're like, that ain't washing off. You know, like this is bad bad different. And so I just didn't want to be a part of it. And I, and I honestly, I, I just felt like I'm trying to build this business of mine. Everything's above table. And this thing is like just a political circus. I'm out. I, I can't do it. Um, and that was it. And then a, not too long later, Taylor calls me up and goes, Hey dude, I left. I'm like, what? Are, what? You're the president of the company. Where are we going? Well, that was the thing I left because I, when I left, I already had another job. It was not Chip Ganassi Racing. Um, I had a program in place actually to go help my old buddy Larry Foyt. And at the end of the day, uh, Larry had a partner back out right towards the last little bit of it. And, and it, I'm never going to be mad at Larry ever for this. But he was like, hey, dude, like, I know we wanted to, you know, we're trying to build this program, but I can't, like, we can't afford this right now. Like, it's because it wasn't just me. It was like, I wanted to build a program. And like, it's going to be your opportunity to actually to do something, to put something together. And, and I, I'll just said, never be mad at him for that. Um, and I'm sitting, I was literally, I'm sitting around there last year. Taylor's at Ganassi. He's, he's the new guy, right? How, how does the new guy hire his best friend? Even when your stepdad is the boss and, and the boss, you know, the big boss is a guy who Taylor and I've known since we were six. Both of our families have a great, great history in that, in that office. Um, you still don't just get called to the Yankees because you know somebody or you got to earn that stuff. And so 
He's like, hey, I do need a spotter position. We're going to run this, you know, this fourth car with this Armstrong kid. And I was like, if you can get it approved, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll do it, man. I had just gotten a divorce. I had nothing going on. You know, the business is, it's staying steady, but it's kind of like, you know, I'm losing. I don't have an in-house legal that's just sitting there. I'm also not flashy about it. I don't. Have you thought about dressing like some sort of a New Jersey man? <laughs> no, but man, that stuff this week's been great. I'm pumped. I, I pumped for the guy's story. Like a little self-absorbed a bit, but like, you know what? It's you need cool to roll down him. to St. Pete looking like you just came no, out. I'm, I'm a company man now, dude. I don't. What would happen if you rolled in Daytona and stood next to Sebastian dressed like a gangster? <laughs> Just I'll, for testing. I'll Just be honest. I think it was the first time Sebastian was back after the Ford program with Chip. I thought Chip was going to cut my hard card off me when he saw me standing next to Sebastian at the car. He was like, you know, you know, managers around here. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> right. Like, sorry, sir. Um, but we did it. I showed up and um, great season. It, I, I truly fell. I fell back in love. Well, was I doing what I wanted? To do? Not not exactly, um, but I fell back in love with going racing again. But was with, it, it was a new environment, new team. Yeah, and being with Chip Ganassi Racing, man, it's like I you don't you don't think about it. You know, people tell stories, and you're like, oh yeah, cool, trying to promote something. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, I've never seen a motorsports entity organization take care of the human beings that make it happen as well as Chip Ganassi Racing does. I mean, from every aspect you can imagine, right? The Human Performance Center is not just for the drivers or the guys that go over the wall or the girls that go over the wall. It is for any member of the Chip Ganassi Racing Organization can be in there. There's trainers in there. There's chiropractors. There's there's sports physicians that are always in and out. We have a full-time trainer in this facility. Obviously, I've been using it. Um, But like just that one thing, right? Like they're pushing you to be better. What do you need? And as long as if you need something and it's going to help you do a better be a better version of yourself by doing your job better, by being more efficient, by going faster. Let's get, let's get together. And if it's what we need, that's what we'll do. And so it's, man, the culture that chip and Mike, you know, and, and obviously it starts with chip, but the culture that he, that from his leadership all the way through Mike, I was, I fell in love with it. Right. And again, we get to the end of the year and it's like, okay, hey, what, what am I going to do? And I got to, Luckily, you know, they said, hey, we're going to do this thing. We're going to go five cars next year with Kiffin Simpson. And Taylor says, you know, we talked about it. And we, would you be interested in doing this? You know, so I, at the end of October, I joined him full time. And I, from the spotter stand to the strategist spot, which is, bro, so much pressure. Um, I've had one day on the stand with the IndyCar. Kiffin, we ran Kiffin in a rookie test at IMS. And technically, the Friday before I actually started working. Or maybe it was the Friday of my first week. I can't remember. And so it was good. Um, throughout the day, I got way more and more comfortable learning the tools. It's it's so different. Right? He was talking. We we're talking about something about turn four. You're not just pressing one button and, oh, and looking no. at a car go by. You've got all of the data, all the telemetry, well, all well, the that, engineers. Well, that's just screens it. are in front of you. Uh, one. Just um, one. But and and look, these guys. I'm not going to go in and reinvent the wheel at Chip Ganassi Racing. They're, they are the standard for a reason, right? So I'm just trying to absorb. And I've got it. There, there were such great people there for that first test that day at IMS. You know, you had, you had, um, Jules, who's Pelosi engineer, has been there for over 30 years, was the, was the engineer of the day. Seth was the performance guy. He's been there forever. He's like the lead performance engineer guy or one of those guys, sim engineer, sorry. Um, Ken Brooks, who's Dixon's assistant. 
was right there next to me. And then I had Taylor Kyle and Michael and Blair Julian all from the strategist role, explaining things to me throughout the day. This is what this is. Don't worry about that. You're never going to read that. You need to see this teaching me about the cadence and the flow. And it was like, okay. And, and Taylor is good too, but Mike Hall is like a legend right? in strategy. Yeah. There's times that nobody can figure out what they're doing. And then they get to the last stop and like, dang it. Yeah, they like, beat us. Yeah, ask, ask Graham Rahal. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, a couple times like this year, I think it Dude, happened. We did it at the, they did it at the second, the summer GP. Yeah. Just nobody knew what was happening. Dude, Gateway. Yeah. I was all, this, say, all of a sudden, everything comes out of Gateway, and it's like, Dixon's how leading. is Dixon 37 seconds ahead of the field? Yeah. And I, mean, I was going to say a couple times this year, Nobody knows. There's got to be just a little password protected folder that they just give you the access I don't, to. Go, I tell you what, oh, I here's the special. Here's the special sauce <laughs> right here. But he's also nice enough that a lot of times, if you check his Twitter, I don't know if he does it every time. I'm not on Twitter that much, but he'll be like, he'll the morning of the race, he'll be like, hey, you know, the average pit stops at this and this. And he'll give you yeah. like a little rundown of what the strategy is for the day. And you're like, that's not even fair. You're like, you're not telling us everything. But yeah, he's like, and yeah, a couple times this year, everybody's like, what's Dixon? Oh, and you're at the end yeah. of the day, you're the whole dude. Do you know how many years I would get on the, the private channel from the spotter stand? But like, this doesn't make sense. You guys, why don't we just follow the nine? Yeah. Like, here's a sign for you. The nine started two spots in front of us. He's now six spots in front of us and he's going to continue to get to the sharp end of this field. He may not win the race, but he's going to be close. And now, so if we would just follow the nine, we're not, maybe we don't have the pace. Maybe we can't make the fuel mileage. But as long as we just do what they do, we're going to be in a better spot than yeah. what we are now. It might be a little short due to a lack of Scott Dixon he's so good. doing the things. So good doing the things. I was gonna say, you still have to have Scott Dixon doing the things that they yeah. have to do. But yeah. So Kiffin Simpson, this is a brand new team, right? The, the eighth car, car man. You, the car that you were a part of last year was the Jimmy Johnson car. The 11, yes. That, that, that what the 48 to 11 became the 11. So that is, that team has existed three or four seasons now. Yep. Uh, and now this is a fresh start. Brand new. I saw it from nothing. I, I went out and looked at our timing stand today and it is still being built. Like, I mean, and I, I'm not going to lie to you, man. Like this is not, I sit up in the business office. The, the effort that the people on that shop floor, the coordination, how organized it is. We got back from Laguna and I'm like, how in the world are they going to literally, it's not like you just, yeah, we have spares, but we have spares to go run four cars. You can't just take your spares and make a fifth car out of it and not have your spares now, right? Not for so, 17 races or whatever and, the hell it's And, and so it's a lot. I mean, there's a lot going on in that place. And so, um, but it's done pretty, it's so organized, right? And, and again, it's just leadership and leadership and leadership all day long. And honestly, people that just show up and they go to work because they want to win and they want to be there. That's the key. So that's the Kiffin Simpson program. That's That's your weekend job. The, yeah. During the week job, you said you're on the, the business yeah, side. Yeah, it's... I assume that you're responsible for finding more sponsors so they can add the six yeah, car next year. Yeah. So, no, I, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I did not say that, world. Um, no. So it's it's kind of... We're kind of learning a bit as we go on some of it, right? Um, when we put it all together, it was uh, technical business development, right? Which is a lot on the competition side. So you think about the technical aspect of going racing in general. Um, you know, well, how much money are we spending on paint? 
Luckily, we have a great program with Sherwood Williams, so we have a great program there. But if we were, if we didn't, then my job would have been to have gone to find a Sherwin Williams and say, "Hey, we know you don't want to give us cash money to be here, but we have a need for you because we're spending a large amount of money on paint and paint products, um, or it's sanding discs or cutting tools. All of the all of those products. It's tools. It's nuts. Yeah. It's bolts. It's brake cleaner. It's shop towels. All the in it's, the it's indirect materials. Literally to get the race anything." Car and it could be new. It could be new equipment. It could be new technology. I can't tell you how many times I was uh, spent pole day in the Ganassi suite because of a kenamental relationship. Yeah, over the years, and yeah. it's it was, those guys would and those machines know, are still there today. Yeah, they would. They yeah, would, and that little K was on the. That was yeah. my ticket in uh, with Ganassi for many yeah. years. And that and but so that's the world, right? And so it's just it's it's developing. What do we need? You know, can I make it? Can I save us money? Can I make us more efficient? And can I do something to help the engineers make the race cars go faster? Those are my goals every day when I walk in that shop. I get in my office, but I also have it's, it's really been fun. I, I have I've had a great opportunity to to work with the people that are already there on the actual business development side, which is more of the sponsorship, you know, DHLs, uh, PNC, um, the American Legion, Ridgeline, uh, Ridgeline Parkland, I guess. So um, the people that are actually doing those and managing those accounts, and it's been really cool because. I'm not the college educated business person. I'm not. Everything I know I've learned from from this from, and my experiences. Um, and a lot of we have a lot of really smart people that didn't come from racing. So it's really cool that we've had this really kind of like organic way of, you know, meshing that together. Where they're like, hey, why do we do this? Well, I'll explain to you why we do it. And here and explain it. And now now that person who's in this very important part understands it better yep now they have that the real world yeah and, and, and it's the, it, i'm not saying they're not smart by anyways they are um, it's so incredibly talented and intelligent people that understand equations and business models and revenue models things that all that i that i literally have to google half the time right um but they now they're getting to get a little insight on what i've gone through which helps maybe give a little insight on how we could just be better um you know it's but it's fun, man. It's I didn't expect it. Um, I ha- I did have another situation sorted out. We were moving forward with it. It was going to be a November first start time, and um, it would have been like you know getting drafted to the Orioles and having a chance that if this works out, you could be their franchise player or get drafted or get called up to the New York Yankees. And when I called the Orioles and told them what was happening, they said we no longer. If if Tim Ganassi Racing just gave you a, a legit job offer. You no longer have one from us. Yep, because that's what friends do. Yep. They said you you're getting called by the by the best, the best, and you've got to take this opportunity for yourself. And um, super heartfelt, super happy. Um, but it's like, how do you not, in general, how do you not want to walk out, you know, and follow those steps of Mickey Mantle, right? Like this does not happen often. And and it's really cool. There's 15 IndyCar championships and uh, how the hell many Indy 500s now? Yeah, it's, it's a lot, it's, man. It's nine and counting. I mean, it's it's an incredible Lamar since '96 until now. Lamar winner. Lamar. I Sarah and I 24 went, winner. Sarah and I went to uh, the Henry Ford Museum this summer. How cool is that? And I saw. So I saw the I, my friend. I, I've known Ryan Van Klumpberg for a very long time. Dude, I see RVK every day. And, that makes sense. You guys both was, wear flannels every day. Yeah. So he, <laughs> uh, we were dating girls across the hall from each other at Purdue University. Wow. Not back, me. You, not, Pre-Sarah. 
So I'm, that's how I met Ryan. We became buddies. We'd talk about race cars and he was on that GT program. So I saw him race with that car and they crashed it at Long Beach, but I was there and watched the, I had watched them have a very rough weekend. And then in June, so that was April. In June, they went to Le Mans, win Le Mans in that, with that car with Ganassi. And then you go to the Henry Ford Museum seven years later and it's like, God, how old am I? I'm looking at the car that I watched race. Uh, and it's, it was supposed to be sitting there with the, uh, the 1963 winner, yep. 66 winner. Uh, but it was in Le Mans for the 40, it was the 63 because it was there for the yeah. 40th anniversary or whatever the hell it is. 15. It was actually, it was bull that, but this last year was also the centenary. Yeah. So they were those, they'd shipped the, that car over to France. Yeah. So, so, so the, this year at Le Mans, it was the centenary. So it was the hundredth anniversary of the first Le Mans 24. Yeah. Um, which is cool. This is a little statistic that like Michael Gare and I talked about. We don't we don't know the real number. Our guess in a working competitive capacity, our guess is there's maybe 25 to 30 people on this planet who competed in the 100th running of the Indianapolis 500 and the Le Mans 24. And that's pretty damn cool. So I told Gare I in said, 100th of each the 100th running, not the yes. 100th, sorry, the 100th anniversary race. Yeah. Not the 100th running of it, but the 100th anniversary, right? So 2011 slash 2023. Yes. And so, but I think they're, they're, I don't, they're like nine years out or something like that from their 100th running. And, um, war torn country. I know. looked at, I looked at O'Gara, Mike O'Gara, who's team manager of our, of our IMSA and, and WEC programs. And I said, it's your job to make sure we're back here for the hundredth running in some capacity. Cause there's only going to be about 10 of us at that point. Right? right. Like that's such a small group at that point to, for all four of those events. It's just been incredible. It'd Somebody be, else needs to make sure bro days there. Not my job anymore, man. Yeah, Agency's no, but, gone. It's done. But he's like the most French thing we know. When it comes so to he racing. literally took the most on to go to school. He's from Le Mans, France. And I, this is, uh, I'm sidetracked, but it's cool. Sebastian's a great guy. We're very, 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 very close friends. I'd help him bury the body if he needed it. We've never gone anywhere together, anywhere, where people have been like, oh my God, Sebastian Bourdais. Can I have a picture or not? Occasionally you'll get it, but it's not like an overwhelming thing. We go to dinner downtown Indianapolis. It's like, hey, Wheeler, how are you? <laughs> Who's your friends? <laughs> Bro, being at technical inspection down on the square in Lamar and just hearing it's he's Paul McCartney. Isn't oh he? my god. He's bigger than the Beatles, man. Yeah. He's bigger than than anything the Beatles ever touched. And and you know, we had an uh, unfortunate incident there in qualifying. Um I had a failure there and um when the safety car said he's cool, they dropped him off at pit in. We're about halfway, just past halfway down to pit out. It's our garage. This place is packed for qualifying. I mean, it is, it is packed. I understand now why people compare it to the Indianapolis 500 because it is the largest. We talked about soccer earlier. This, it, to me, it's like a World Cup of motorsports. I didn't see somebody in an old Navy t shirt. You were they're wearing a, a national shirt. flag or manufacturer, and they were actually waving the flags and the air horns. And I'm like, this is absolutely incredible. Wouldn't it be exciting to have all those manufacturers at a race? Uh, yeah, and it's a twenty-four hour. I mean, Dude. it's like so. It's it's, but it's more than that because the yeah. race doesn't start till like two o'clock in the afternoon, yeah. and we're there at seven a.m. So there's <laughs> there's people who like just camped out 
all over the place. It's, an, it's insanity. It's a four-day yeah. festival, and it's a 30-day hour. Yeah. Or 30-hour day. And so, but, so he starts walking back with his helmet in his hands, walking back to the garage. And it gave me vibes of Felipe Massa's final walk at Interlargos in Brazil when his car didn't make it independently and it stopped and he just hopped out and he made that walk and that place came alive and they saluted their countrymen, their, their hero, Felipe Massa. Like I have chills and goosebumps right now and I'm watching it on the monitors in the garage and I mean, we're panicked. Like, Oh my gosh, how bad is this car? Like we're never going to get out of here. Can we, can we fix it? Like we don't know anything. And he comes walking back and all you hear is a rumble and a roar. And there was not a single fan in the sold out for qualifying grandstands that was not on their feet and cheering and screaming, Sebastian. It, it was incredible, man. And so to be able to go there with him and like experience one of my closest friends in his world, really appreciate Wicked cool, man. Yeah. So cool. That's spectacular. So looking into 2024. Yeah. People get to, uh, will there be Chris Wheeler hero cards? No. Some, uh, some Ridgeline hero cards with, uh, with you on the back? No. In fact, I will tell you that this is probably my last public show that you'll see for a very long time with me involved until Kevin Lee interviews you at the uh, Rolex 24. That's not my look. If it's, if it's at work, it's one thing, but, um, uh, Chris Wheeler, the public facing personality that's funny and, tries to be funny at least and tries to do whatever is, is slowly going away. And it's, 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 it's honestly, it's the fact that I'm taking on more responsibility than I've ever had. Yep. Um, as, as, a, as a man, as an adult, as a, as a businessman, as a, in my career. And, you know, if I didn't trust you guys, right. And I didn't trust your show and what this was, I probably wouldn't have done it. Um, but I wanted to make sure we got this in before. And, um, I just, I've got to focus on that. Right. And I've got to kind of, I've been on a journey, man, like for the last, for over the last year yep. on this real big journey of like really learning more about me. I'm not, I'm not trying to go like Aaron Rodgers level on you, but like, I'm not going into a silent room for four days. Like that freaked me out. Um, how quickly could you heal an Achilles though? Probably faster. Yeah. At least I would have played. <laughs> um, but it, it, I'm on this journey, right? And for a long time, man, like, you know, doing stuff like this and being this, on this public facing thing and building my own brand when I had my own company and I had reasons, that was important. But now, like, I'm so in love with going to work every day. Like, I truly am. I've never been somebody that wants to wake up at 5.45, 6 a.m. in the morning. I hate the morning. I've never once since I've started showing up to the office and been like, oh, why am I here? Dude, I get there. I'm walking that door just before 7 a.m. And I'm like high-fiving people. They're like third cup of coffee. I'm like, let's go. Let's go, Pam. Right? Like, let's get after it today. Let's have ourselves a day. We are Chip Ganassi here. Let's go. Yeah. It's an exciting, fresh start. It's so it's so cool, man. And so, yeah, none of that. There'll be none of that. Um, still, still, if you're at the racetrack, come say hi. So, yeah. So, this is so we're, we're heading into 2024. I know we just bought our tickets. The Moral family bought our tickets to come to uh, Milwaukee. Uh, be our first time up there. Uh, you've won there before, so I guess that you've got a lot to defend. Uh, I've got a box at home. Got about eighty watches at home. Gifts, awards, sponsorship stuff. I wear one. I wear this watch and my Apple Watch. 
on the back of this watch, neither of us are going to be able, none of us can see it in the light right now, but on the back of this watch, it is etched. Seven, 12, 2015, the initials SB. Back then, Tag Heuer would give you a watch every time you won a race as a driver, and they would put the date and your initials in it. Because it was my first one on a Oval, Sebastian gave it to me for Christmas that year. That's amazing. And it's literally, it's this or my Apple Watch. That's it. I mean, I have a, I want to know how much is sitting in this box. Um, that's, that's it. And um, I love Milwaukee, man. The great land. It's going to be fun. We're making a week of it. Uh, got the full four-day ticket, bringing the camper, the, the whole thing. We got the dogs are going off to doggy daycare. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. A, it's an overnight stay for them. For yeah. Four the, days. They're, they're going, they signed up with the Rover. They're, they're going to so, be Airbnb'd. So we are ready to party at Milwaukee. Um, uh, here's what I love about Milwaukee. And that whole West Atlas like corridor. There you go. Oh, and you're gonna yeah, have your weird. You're spotted. Yeah. Um, is that so in Long Beach, where I'm from, Southern California, every third building is a Catholic church. And the west side of Indianapolis, every third building is a tanning bed or a you know, laundry and tan or a Starbucks. Every third building in West Atlas is a bar. And um we won that race in twenty fifteen with with you know KVSH. And Jimmy Vassar, the first guy to ever sponsor me when I raced, by the way. And one of my biggest mentors in life, James Sullivan, Sully Sullivan from, from, from Vassar Sullivan is what it is now. And we're pumped. I had shoulder reconstruction surgery Monday morning at 6 a.m. that week. I took the red eye home from Raleigh, North Carolina from a global rally cross race with Vassar Sullivan. Surgery Monday. I was on my meds Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And on Thursday, I had to stop taking my pain meds. So you could drive. So I could spot because I was eligible for a random from IndyCar and I can't be under the influence. And so I'm in this, this thing, this brace, right? We win this race. I'm shaking. I'm crying. I've got an audio clip. Eight minutes. It's like eight minutes of our conversations throughout the race. A friend of mine from IMSP knew how important this was to me. She edited up our radio and like sent this to me two weeks later. Still have it on my phone. Um, I got in tears telling Sebastian, like, hey, bud, you're going to victory lane. I'm coming to you. Like, you can hear it in my voice. I'm, I'm bawling like a child. Get to victory lane. First thing I want to do is grab a Vicodin. <laughs> He's like, dude, I'm hurting. Like, the stress of my body in those closing 20 laps, like, <sighs> excuse me, coupled with everything else. Dude, I am hurting. You think somebody would have some water in victory lane? So it started with uh, grabbed a pain pill and a bottle of Fireball and back to the back of the transporter and we're hanging out. We're just we're vibing, man. Like nothing else in the world matters. And Jimmy goes, "I got the spot wheels." I'm like, what's that, Uncle Jimmy? And he goes, "It's called the fourth base." I'm like, "Can you buy me dinner first? <laughs> and he goes, "Nah, man, it's a bar." I called ahead. Typical towny bar. We're all going to the fourth base this year because I haven't been there since this night. It's the last time I was ever in West Dallas. We get into this place, best lobster tail, best crab legs, best filet, strongest drinks. And I'm, I'm anxious to see if my team, I w- I've been still in team gear, bro, because changing shirts was so hard for me. Yep. That like at this point of the night in the bar, when the bar owner is just go, ching, ching, well, you want, you want another one of these? You want another one of those? You want some more crab legs? Want some more scallops? Like we're like, how late can we stay? And they're like, gentlemen, we're so proud of you guys. We'll stay as late as you need to. This is Wisconsin. We'd never close if we don't want to. 
And at some point they helped me out of my sling and they had to like help me like peel my arm being like this, peel my shirt off of me. And it got like the dude came out of the back with like a hammer and nails, like three inch nails. It's on the wall. That last time I was there, it was on the wall. So I'm really anxious to go back. Um, We'll have to go. We'll go with you. We'll, we'll find Yeah, it. we will. We will. Because I was thinking about going up a day early for that one, too, just because it's such a cool town, man. The vibe is so wild. Um, a lot of great memories there as a kid. Um, really good memories. So that's so that's the race. Like They've also added a race at Thermal, which is not for people like me. Uh, Cannot it, afford. <laughs> five, five grand for a couple. But Milwaukee, is a, it's a Midwest classic. It's back on the calendar. It needs fan support. Uh, and that's that's why we the day tickets went on sale. We, we get to camp I think really close. I think we're bringing about eight or ten people and, so and far. I'll be honest, like if you want to talk about the history and the lore, look, if we're gonna run Milwaukee, I want it's Labor Day weekend. I want too. I want Milwaukee to be back on the weekend after the Indy five hundred. How it should be in my historical old man brain. But well, Texas is gone, so now you can. Thank you. Um, but I will say, the Trois is in the way, but we'll deal with that later. Yeah, the Trois. What's really cool though, man, is like a lot of the real racers, legends of the IndyCar, like we talked about Michael, right? We talked about Jimmy Vassar. Those guys will tell you out second to Indianapolis and Milwaukee has it like yeah. Milwaukee to win at the Milwaukee mile. It's a hundred year facility as well. Right? Yeah, yeah, we talked like, about Lamont. Yeah. We talked yeah. about Indy to win at the Milwaukee and it's not easy. It's a road course with two left-hand turns. Like there is nothing straightforward about running the Milwaukee mile period. Um, and you get to do two cracks at it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Back to back. That's pretty cool. Double header. All right. Uh, we're, we're a little over the time we planned. Are we? I think, yeah, we're, we're, uh, probably what? 90 minutes, uh, 80 minutes, 70 minutes, free, 80. free yeah. baseball. Yeah. We're at, uh, almost, almost the end of a full, full length movie here. Uh, any final thoughts from you, Sarah? Anything you wanted to bring up? Anything we've forgotten? Anything you want to plug? Nothing I can think of. You did great. Other than happy birthday to my dad. Yeah. My dad's birthday. It's his 50th birthday today. Yeah. Celebrating Congratulations, once Kevin. again. Yeah. He's been doing that longer than you guys have been married. Oh, much longer. Um, <laughs> you did a great job tonight. Oh, thanks. A little. Yeah. Yeah. Every, uh, every two or three times a year, she gives Zach a break and he has to go on the main show. Yeah. Go do the big thing. Or disappear. <laughs> That's a, yeah. If it wasn't for Zach, is the glue that holds us together, legitimately. I just uh, show up. Two weeks ago, we did a show because okay, Zach, Zach, Zach made us do that's, it. That's he's here, so he doesn't get fined. I like skills. Your job. Yeah. <laughs> One of my skills is showing up. I'm just like I put stuff on my schedule, and I'm like, okay, I'll be there. And sometimes I sign up for too much stuff, but I show up. He answers the bell. Uh, Chris, this has been awesome, man. I don't know if there's anything else we forgot. Anything you wanted to bring man, up? And this like, is our reality. We could, we could have sat here forever, right? But um, no, thank you guys. It's really cool. Um, Really pumped to just get to the holidays here. I had to Florida to see my parents. Haven't had Christmas with my parents since 2015. Um, that'll be fun. Play a little golf, hopefully. Um, yeah, and for you know the thousands that are listening right now, like just keep doing this. Like keep supporting these guys and keep supporting all the small towns and the and the groups that are trying to push out content because whether you you're ready for it or not, man, the content is our future. Um, and so thank you guys. Super pumped. I'll be back. I'll come see you. I'll be back open door anytime um we appreciate it next week we will uh we'll be back on thursday i know the patreon will probably be a little special christmas edition uh and it may just be a host only episode we've not uh, we've not signed that out but i don't think we're scheduled to miss any the way the holidays fall this year we don't have to skip a week because of christmas 
Yeah. It's a, it's a weekend Christmas. It perfectly, uh, perfectly aligns. Can I ask one question? Yeah. How do you do this show when you're on your like 19 week straight camping adventure? Well, this show's on a Thursday and we leave on Fridays. Uh-huh. We, we do Tuesdays during the month of May. Yeah. During the, during the month of May, we generally flex to a Tuesday night. Because camping pull-ins on uh, Thursday. And on occasion. Well, and you better be careful pulling into that lot, let me tell you. lot. Uh, the first two weekends in May, we're in lot two. Yeah. You got to go Just, real slow getting in there. And then, <laughs> Only and then some lot of us. six. Lot six, the final uh, for the for the big one. Uh, lot two is so convenient, though, man. You just walk you're right outside the pagoda. I could be to your pit stand in 90 seconds for my camper with fresh beer. Do you want to know the worst part about not having a guy like Bourdain in IndyCar still? Is all those years that I had his second pass for the driver owner lot. <laughs> and that, that, was, that was the best. It was just like, bloop, I'm just going to pull it. Yep, that's me and my old old beater. That's me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just coming through, parked next to these three Mercedes and this Alpha. And the greatest thing, the greatest thing in, at Speedway now is waking up at the track. Yeah, it, like it. It's it's so nice that I I fought the traffic on Thursday. I'm done. I'm in. I don't have to go anywhere. Yeah, I dig you it. Just, you just live there. All right, it's been spectacular. We appreciate it very much. Uh, we'll catch y'all next week. See ya.